Hello and thank you for tuning in to the morning edition of the D1T in 5 for Friday, September 22nd. Let's jump into this morning's top stories. NCAA President Charlie Baker during this week's Globe Summit in Boston explained his responsibility during this transformational time in the industry, more than anything, it should be that I'll find ways to create what I'd describe as common ground, and get us to the place where we make decisions before things happen as opposed to reacting and responding when something happens. Baker also restated his position lamenting the lack of framework and transparency, adding, it's virtually impossible for a student-athlete or their family to know if what someone is telling them is true or not an agent, a rep, and that bothers me. The NCAA should be worried about how yesterday's class certification hearing before U.S. District Court Judge Claudia Wilkin played out, according to Sportico's Michael McCann and Daniel Libet. Steve Berman and Jeffrey Kessler, attorneys for the plaintiffs in House v. NCAA, argued the thousands of student-athletes who missed out on NIL before 2021 should be included in the suit. NCAA attorney Rakesh Kalaru, per McCann and Libet, contended that if NIL had been allowed before 2021, student-athletes would have earned different amounts, leading some to remain in school rather than turn pro. For instance, based on some calculations, some college athletes could earn as much as $400,000, which might have convinced them to stay. Therefore, Kalaru asserted the suit can't be class action since it's impossible to know to whom it would apply. Wilkin, per McCann, basically countered that she wouldn't engage in alternate histories. Wilkin is likely to issue a decision in the coming weeks. More from yesterday's media call with Washington State and Oregon State leaders, during which Cougars AD Pat Chun acknowledged that moving forward as a two-team league for the next two seasons may sound unrealistic but noted, if you had asked me how realistic would it have been a few months ago that the Pac-12 dissolved, or the membership as we knew it, you might get the same answer. We're just trying to keep as many options open as possible. We're trying to make sure that we're positioned correctly and we'll tackle those options at the appropriate time. Chun and Beavers AD Scott Barnes acknowledged the possibility of a promotion-slash-relegation model with Chun clarifying, I've said it over and over, Oregon State and Washington State would not be subject to relegation, because I don't see a model where two top, 25 programs would be relegated. Barnes also noted that conference affiliation for 2024-25 will need to be made this fall in order to fill out schedules for all sports. We can put schedules together as late as late fall. We don't want to wait that long. We want to move as quickly as we can in an informed fashion, as we've discussed, making sure we have all the details. UTSA is proposing a student fee increase of $1.50 per credit hour each year for five years beginning with the spring 2024 semester, per the San Antonio Express News' Greg Luca, who reports the current charge per credit hour is $20. If the proposal is accepted the student fee would total $27.50 for the 2027-28 academic year and beyond, meaning a full-time student would pay $660 annually in 2027-28 compared to the current $480, and the athletic department would receive roughly $5 million in additional revenue each year. Roadrunners A.D. Lisa Campos stating, to remain competitive, grow in all sports and keep the momentum going, we're seeking additional donors, ticket holders, fans and sponsors. Student fees are also essential to growing our programs and covering rising expenses. Luca notes UTSA's athletics fees generated $14.05 million for the department during the 2021-22 academic year, ranking fourth among eight reporting schools in the AAC. 
Fitch Ratings predicts more colleges will close, merge or significantly restructure operations due to enrollment declines and market pressures such as wage growth and increases in energy costs. From a report released Wednesday, the higher education landscape remains bifurcated. Institutions without strong brands that are located in markets with the steepest drop in college-age population are the most vulnerable to enrollment declines. These markets also often have a multitude of public and private institutions competing vigorously for a shrinking pool of students. The report also observes that revenue growth prospects are relatively limited for now at small, non-selective private colleges and some public regional universities. Thank you for tuning in to the morning edition of the D1T in 5 for Friday, September 22nd. We'll see you back here this afternoon.